Welcome everybody to the Monthly Movie Dispatch. This is our special Star Wars episode where we're going to do a full recap of the Skywalker saga. <laughs> right, so we're going to be talking about episodes 1, 2, 3, the original trilogy, 4, 5, 6, and the new Disney trilogy, 6, 7, 8. 7, um, eight, nine. <laughs> seven eight, 9. I'm terrible at math, terrible at counting. I was just telling someone today about how terrible I am at counting. Anyway, so we're not going to be talking about Solo, though, and we're not going to be talking about Rogue One. Just um, What about the made-for-TV Ewok movies? Um, we're not going to be talking about those. Okay. We might mention the holiday special, though. That's fair. Um, this is a good time, though. We should introduce our special guest. We've uh-huh. got uh, Cow Shea here with us. Hello. He's a Star Wars uh, fan. It's true. Um, we're the really happy. are true. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. We're really happy to have you, though. I'm, I'm glad that you're here. And uh, you know we've got Sean, and I'm Nick. Um, the other two guys who are normally on the show, Brandon and Derek, they're uh, I don't know, they're not here. They didn't want to talk about Star Wars, but uh, <laughs> but I feel like Cal's gonna make up, or he's gonna have the spirit um, of the Star Wars, you know, excitement. I mean, we're all really excited about Star Wars. I mean, uh, um, I rewatched the original trilogy, four, five, and six, and then uh, the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi. Sean, um, I did the whole the whole shebang, the whole Minus Skywalker saga, the whole Skywalker saga. Didn't do the Rogue One or just because I decided to do it like two weeks ago. So right, yeah, yeah. Well, and, barrel through, yeah. And we already decided that we weren't going to talk about yeah. those movies in detail. Um, those are kind of a you know filler movie. I don't want to say filler, but they they they're they're like stuffing. Yeah, uh-huh. they, they, they um, yeah. Think. yeah. So we're just talking about the timeline i guess of the episodes um the ultimate vision Mm -hmm. as one might say um so i I think we should just dive right in because uh we do have nine movies that we're going to talk about but just just to give you a break just to give you viewers a a structure of how we're doing this we're going to be going over the major plot points we're going to be giving some historical either context or fun facts and then kind of talking about our opinion our opinions of each movie, um, our star ratings, that type of thing. But then um, we'll probably get into a more deeper review of uh, The Rise of Skywalker. So that, that's what this is all about. All of us ha- just saw The Rise of Skywalker. Sean, you saw it today. Mm-hmm. Um, hours me and- ago. Hours ago. So we're getting... Getting hours ago. <laughs> fresh take. Fresh take from um. Sean. And uh, me and Cal saw it last night. Um, not together. But we both saw it last night, and um, we will. So yeah, this is gonna like this is going to culminate in a review of the brand new movie that just came out. So um, I just want to say at the top though, it's gonna be all spoilers. So we're gonna be talking about plot points of every movie. Mm-hmm. So when we get to the rise of Skywalker, we're gonna dive right in and be talking about the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and we may or may not reference things that happen in uh, Rise of Skywalker earlier on. So. Forewarned, if if you know you're thinking you're gonna yeah. listen to it up until that point, there you got the whole enchilada. Yeah, I don't have any plans to say anything, but just right. It's I'm not cer- gonna hold back. It's certainly possible. Yeah. So like, we Chewbacca just, is Yoda's dad. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I, I missed that part. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so episode one, The Force Awakens. Or <laughs> <laughs> episode one, The Phantom <laughs> Menace. That's the one. Yeah, that Sean, is the one. you're going to kick us off with the plot mm-hmm. on The Phantom Menace. Yeah, just 
I'm going to go over some important plot details. Um, so a long time, a long, long time ago in a galaxy far away, Naboo was under an attack. And uh, Obi-Wan thought that he and Qui-Gon Jinn could talk the Federation into maybe cutting them a little slack. But their response, it didn't thrill them. They locked the doors and tried to kill them. They escaped from the gas, then met Jar Jar and Boss Nass. They took a bongo from the scene and they went to Theed to see the queen. Then they all wound up on Tatooine and that's where they found the boy. The boy. Did you know that junkyard slave wasn't even old enough to shave, but he could use the force, they say? Uh, Yeah. Uh, Do you see him hitting on the queen, though he's just nine and she's 14? Yeah, he's probably going to marry her someday. Um, Well, Obi-Wan knew that he built C-3PO and he heard how fast his pod could go. Uh, But they were broke, it's true, so they made a wager or two. Uh, he was a, free, uh, a prepubescent flying ace, and the moment, the minute Jabba started off the race, he knew that uh, he knew who would win first place. Oh yes, it was their boy. Oh, thought it was going to be simple, but yeah. <laughs> uh, they th- they caught a ride back to Naboo because Queen Amidala wanted to. Oh my God, I missed out a whole. They went to Coruscant. Yeah, they, they went to the Coruscant. Jedi Council they knew and want or something. Um, but then they um, the, they caught a ride back to Naboo because Queen Amidala wanted to. Frankly, Obi-Wan would have liked to stay. Uh, uh, they, caught, they, they fought in the epic war, and it wasn't long at all before. Little hotshot flew his plane and saved the day. And in the end, some Gungans died, some ships blew up, and some pilots fried. A lot of folks were croaking. The battle droids were broken. That was my favorite part. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the Jedi Obi-Wan admired most met up with Darth Maul, and now he's toast. Well, uh, he's still here, and... Well, Obi-Wan's still here, and he's a ghost. Uh, he guesses he'll train this boy. And that's where they leave off at the end of... Saga Phantom begins. Yeah. yeah, that was how the saga began. Yeah. <laughs> Great. The whole saga. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Great wrap up, Sean. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for writing that. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, a lot happened in that movie. Um, yeah, that came out in '99. Right. Yeah. That was the first of the prequels. Uh huh. It is kind of a funny. It's a funny place for us to start. Like logically, it makes sense. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, there's so much of that movie that's already reliant on you, like knowing where it's going yeah that it is it's like i wonder if there's anyone who started here in 1999 right and i mean it's also like a point of contention not contention but it's like for for new people for new kids coming in like our kids do they start with episode one or do they start with episode four yeah and um it is interesting though because like in you you know the saga begins this boy we're talking about, we all know it's Anakin mm-hmm. who turns into Darth Vader. But what's it like starting with episode one yeah. when you know that that little kid who's flying the pod racer and going, woo, mm-hmm. is yeah. going to turn into the big bad guy? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, I've already yeah. shown two of my kids 
episode four, but maybe my mm-hmm. third kid, I'll start him on episode one. Yeah, to just see what an experiment. You yeah. got some controls, yeah, and then you'll yeah you have your kind of branch out. Yeah, it it's tough though with the kids because. New Hope is such a fun movie for kids, and so is The Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. Like, Phantom Menace is a really fun movie. Yeah. But um, the rest of the series, like, I don't know, Attack of the Clones, we'll get there, and Revenge of the Sith is pretty dark. I don't know, we'll get to those movies, but mm-hmm. before we get going, Sean, yeah. do you have any, like, fun facts or yeah. historical so, uh, um, takes on this one? <clears throat> um yeah, I, I put together some fun facts for all of these. Uh, for all of them, I did a budget and a box office um, for each movie. So the budget for this movie was $115 million, and they're all actually pretty similar for the prequels. Um, but this movie made over a billion dollars worldwide. Not too shabby. Um, yeah, and that's I believe that's just 1999 money, too. So that would be even more today. Yeah. <clears throat> um, uh, so some fun facts. Uh, after the return of the Jedi, George Lucas became burned out on the series, saying he had no interest in making a sequel, although he remained fascinated by the idea of a prequel. Um, he wrote a 15-page outline of the history of the Empire while writing the original series uh, in order to keep track of important historical information. Uh, this became the basis for the prequel trilogy, which he started writing in 1994 after some renewed interest in the series from fans. Um, and I believe a lot of that was driven by, by the book series, um, which I don't remember the name of or who, who wrote it, but there's a book series that came the out. The Heir to the Empire ones. I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah yep, that's the one. Um, George Lucas approached uh, Ron Howard, Steven Spielberg, and Robert Zemeckis to d- direct The Phantom Menace, but they all uh, declined feeling that George Lucas should be the one to direct it, and they were all daunted by the project because he wanted to do it. They, they were all working on three. much more boring. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, pretty funny. I mean, like, for, real quick, I, I didn't yeah. know that. That's pretty mm-hmm. interesting. And, like, thinking back to 2001, it's like, I'm pretty sure Spielberg did AI around that time. Yeah. Ron Howard, turns out he did a Star Wars movie, like, nowadays. Oh, yeah. He did That's Solo. Right. And, like, I kind of feel like... I don't know. Ron Howard's... He's, like, a good fill-in director. You know, uh-huh. he's he's that guy. I don't think Fan Menace would have been that much different, you know, yeah, if Ron Howard did it. Yeah, it is. I do wonder. Um, and Zemeckis, too, like, where was he, he was, at Was he in his I mean, CG phase? Like, I mean, in um, 2001? Or yeah. 99? Or, or 99. 99. Oh, I mean, movies I that came out in 2001. Oh, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, like, uh, Polar Express and... Polar Express wasn't until, like, 2005, though, okay. I think. Okay. Or four. 2004 is when okay. Polar Express came out. Good poll. So I don't know yeah, what... I don't know. I don't know what Zemeckis Contact, was doing Contact came out in 97, I believe. Right. So, so I mean, I, yeah. And Force Gump was earlier than that. 96 yeah. or something. I, I yeah, feel I like... I Maybe he had a break. He was working on technology or... You know what, you know what he did? It? You know what came out in 2000, actually? Uh, Castaway? Yeah, Castaway. Yeah. It was either Castaway or What Lies Beneath. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They yeah. came out back to back. Zemeckis is kind of a weird director. Yeah, he is. <laughs> like, <laughs> There's these weird well, all, all those guys are like, even then were like kind of established guys. Right. They're all of yeah, the absolutely. same generation. Yeah. And, and also, I kind of forgot that like Ron Howard and George Lucas go way back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like American Graffiti, all that. Mm-hmm. Right. But it still is really funny 
to imagine George Lucas being like, all right, so here's my idea for, like, The Phantom Menace. You you guys want to do that? Like, it seems weird uh-huh. yeah. for him to do that now. I mean, I, I, as I found out, he kind of did that for all the movies. The, yeah, he like, definitely like, did that with Empire yeah. and Return of the Jedi. Uh, <clears throat> but those yeah. those guys seem more like hired guns. I mean, like, I know yeah. Urban He ended up like, with just kind of hired guns, but he, he tried to get other directors to do it. I mean, I think he tried to get Spielberg to... Yeah, which that makes sense. Well, what happened was with Empire Strikes Back, at least, or maybe it was Return of the Jedi, but he he left the director's guild because he got into a fight with Mm -hmm. the head honchos because he put the credits at the end of the movie. And so he was like, well, screw you guys. If you don't want me to put credits where I want to put the credits, like Mm -hmm. I'm just going to leave the director's guild. But then because he left the director's guild, he wasn't allowed to hire some... Any yeah. director who was think, in the guild. I think Spielberg, Spielberg. Could, very well could have directed, I think it was Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Uh, if if he w- that whole beef didn't happen. I think he was forbidden to... Right. I mean, we're talking about historical facts for yeah. movies that are coming up. Yeah. But it is just funny to think about, like, mm-hmm. what would the prequels would have been... Would they have been drastically different mm-hmm. if... Um, I think on some directors it it would have been for sure, especially if they signed on for all three. Right. Um, Some maybe probably not. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like all three of those guys are interesting choices because they're all they already have relations with Lucas, so Mm -hmm. it probably would have been pretty close because um, they they would have been working close together. Mm -hmm. Um, That being said, um, like, what are you guys' general thoughts about uh, the Phantom Menace? I feel like I went through the like. Uh, the various stages of like growing up and grief and fandom confusion of mm-hmm. like I was like pretty much the perfect age when it came out. Mm-hmm. I saw it a gazillion times in the theaters, like like Phantom Menace and uh, the Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah, right around those times, both were just like nerd things I was obsessed with, and I was right at the exact right age to be able to make money like mowing lawns and doing whatever and have nothing better to spend my money on besides just seeing the Phantom Menace <laughs> over and over and over again. <laughs> How many times yeah. do you think you saw it in theaters? I don't know. Like at least a dozen. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So So that's like at least thirty dollars. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, you know, as you get older, like and you know, people I just remember like people like ragging on it like more and more and mm-hmm. You know, you just kind of get caught up in the, like, people making fun of it. Like, there's the whole, like, Red Letter Media yeah. takedown. Yeah. I was so into um, uh, into Plinkett's prequel reviews. Yeah. yeah. Like, I was so... I, uh, I remember, like, you, we were at school, and you came up to me, and I think we, we started talking about The Phantom Menace, and... And I had vaguely heard that some people were starting to really not like it, like some other friends. And then I was kind of defending it. And then you were like, I don't know. You should watch this Red Letter. (laughs) (laughs) And then I watched it. I was like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, There's a lot of problems. Yeah. And it just like, and to be fair, like, to be honest, that's a really great, I stand by that Red Letter Media thing. Like, it's a really good, like, um, teaching no, totally. For for script writing and if it wasn't for them... if it wasn't for like all the like story stuff that uh-huh. like that Plinkett has going on where he's like killing hookers and yeah. <laughs> doing gross things in his basement. Yeah, like you could like show that to a class and uh-huh. be like, here is film criticism. Yeah, like here is yeah, a way totally. to read a movie uh-huh. and be critical of it. Yeah, um, 
I mean, that being said, I do really enjoy the Force or the, the Phantom Mass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a really fun movie. Like I said before, it's uh, mm-hmm. um, it's just it's silly, but and Jar Jar's dumb, but like. The pod racing scene is really fun. Yeah, the lights, sure. the lightsaber fight at the end is is pretty exciting. It's one of the best lightsaber yeah. scenes that there that there are. Yeah. Um, there's like a handful of like really memorable moments totally. with, with that with that movie. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, that, that was kind of the third stage. Is like watching it again as an adult and being like, oh man, this is the worst one. <laughs> this was the one that like ruined everyone's childhood. Uh-huh. And I'm like, it's actually pretty fun. Like it's yeah. pretty melodramatic. It has a bunch of like goofy stuff in it, but I overall like I think it's a totally fine Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. I would definitely prefer to watch that over any of the other prequels. Yeah, it's it's the other ones are kind of boring, but yeah. this one it kind of moves. It I mean I I don't want to dig into like the problems that we have with it. Like really watch Red Letter Media. Yeah, go watch Plinkett's review. review. It's super fun. <laughs> Uh, and hate the movie, but we there's not a whole lot we could add to the criticisms of those movies. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like <clears throat> when that pod racing scene started, I was just laying right here on the couch, and like just the sound effects are so good, and like each pod pod has a different like look and yeah. and sound to it, and I was just I like sat up in my chair, and I'm like oh man, this is yeah, this is really cool. So yeah, that kind of. That was really cool. And then again, when when um, Duel of the Fates pops on, yeah. Yeah. I was like, "Oh shit, here we yeah. go!" Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. There's there's a lot of like yeah. the sort of thing that I hate about prequels, where it's just like for no reason, it's just injecting stuff that you recognize just mm-hmm. to be like, "This will come back later." Yeah. But I feel like <laughs> it cool. is. It's yeah. partially that, but when it's not doing that, it's like it's really cooking. Like, it comes up with a lot of really fun stuff also. Uh-huh. Like, the super, like, like shiny chrome of all of the Naboo ships. Uh-huh. All those, all the whole, like, pod racing culture. As I'm saying it, like, both of those things, I'm like, oh, that, those are both just car things, because George Lucas <laughs> is a big car guy. <laughs> that just occurred to me right uh-huh. now. <laughs> yeah, he actually just wanted to be a race car driver when he was growing up. Like, yeah. that's, that was his first dream, was he yeah. wanted to be a race car driver. Wow. And he's like, well, if I can't do that, I'll make movies about space guys driving (laughs) space cars. Yeah, Yeah, the pod racing scene was really just him, like, making a race car movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, I think think the prequel, I think really the biggest problem, maybe not the biggest problem, but Phantom Menace starts you off with this political mumbo jumbo. Mm -hmm. And Attack of the Clones kind of digs further into mm-hmm. into the political stuff. Yeah. And I think to me at least that's kind of like kind of the fault a big fault of the prequel trilogy. It's yeah. like well how about let's let's move into Attack of the Clones cuz right. I, I agree. I think Attack of the Clones yeah, kind of digs down into the problems of the Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. Real quick, do we want to say our, our star ratings for um, Yeah, yeah. for <clears throat> for for these? Mhm. I would say probably like on the Star Wars scale, I'd say Phantom Menace is like, I don't know, three and a half. Okay. I gave it a three. Yeah. I gave it a two, not on a Star Wars scale, but on a movie scale. <laughs> yeah. On a general uh, movie scale, I legitimately can't tell you. That's yeah. partially, uh, that's going to be part of my whole bag is like, it's hard for me to be like, well, if I just was not thinking of this in the context of this thing that I've been excited about right. for my entire life. Yeah. Right. I just and it's so hard for me I mean, to like. I think we away. could say I think we could say like 
I mean, we could plug Letterboxd right now and be like, hey, we're all on Letterboxd. You should listen to, you should follow us on Letterboxd. It's mm-hmm. an awesome movie site. Totally. Everyone yeah. who likes movies should be on Letterboxd. Yeah. yeah. But, like, we all do, we do star ratings on Letterboxd. Like, me and Sean do them pretty much for every movie, but... You kind of don't do star readings a lot. Yeah, yeah so that's no. that's kind like, of part I of like your thing. More. I like the <laughs> conversation. Yeah. So. yeah, but so I mean, I'm gonna ask you your star rating for each one. But sure, and I'll 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 try and comply as yeah. best as I can. <laughs> but you're on the Star Wars scale. Yeah, Sean's on the movie scale. Movie yeah. scale, and you know, yeah. my scale doesn't really exist. But um, you know, we're all having a good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. So uh, Attack of the Clones. Um, real quick, I'm gonna go over some of the plot points. Obi-Wan and Anakin are hired to be bodyguards of Padme after multiple assassination attempts are made uh, due to her political advisement to create an army to help the Jedi fight against Count Dooku and the Separatist movement. Obi-Wan investigates the assassination attempts and discovers a secret clone army being created. Anakin and Padme hide out on her home planet Naboo. He confesses his love for her. Anakin then has nightmares about his mother on Tatooine. He goes to find her and discovers she has been kidnapped by Tusken Raiders. He tracks them down and kills all of them after she dies. Even the little women and children, sand people. Um, Obi-Wan tracks Jango Fett to Genosis, the planet Genosis, and discovers a Separatist hangout with a secret droid army. Obi-Wan transmits his findings to the Jedi Council, who call for an emergency vote in Congress. Uh, The Jedi and the clone army then come to Genosis and uh, battle Count Dooku and the droid army. Big fight ensues. Uh, Count Dooku escapes. And then uh, Padme and Anakin marry in secret. So that Mm -hmm. that basically is what happens in Attack of the Clones. Yeah. Um, Sean, do you have yeah. any fun facts yeah, yeah, yeah. about historical um, stuff? Yeah, I'll just jump into the fun facts and then we can talk about. Um, so, again, it had a budget of 150, uh, $115 million. Um, this movie uh, grossed $650 million worldwide. Um, and it's actually the, uh, the first Star Wars movie and I believe the only Star Wars movie. Um, to be outgrossed the year that it came out. Um, really? By, yeah, The Lord of the Rings, uh, The Two Towers, uh, Harry Potter, and the... I played a prank on myself by just putting the, the letters. Chamber of Secrets. Yeah, Chamber of C- COS, Chamber of Secrets, and then Spider-Man. So it was outgrossed by all three of those movies. Wow. Um, as an in-joke, the film's working title was Jar Jar Binks' Great Adventure. Um <laughs> to poke fun at, at uh, fans who, the fan response to it. That, that's to actually something I, I wanted to mention briefly, just with the, like, uh, it'll, I know it's a, going to be a recurring topic of, like, fandom and how fans interact with Star Wars and how there's kind of a consistent through line of people treating other people horrible in the name of how much mm-hmm. they like Star Wars and mm-hmm. I think that starts with uh, I mean I don't know if it starts because I think it even happened in the original trilogy but uh, mm-hmm. Ahmed Best the guy that played Jar Jar Binks mm-hmm. like and actually Jake Lloyd who played little oh, baby yeah. Anakin yeah, like right. both of them talked about like this like ruined my life like people were so horrible to them for so uh, long yeah uh, 
And it's it's kind of weird that like because you know there was like there's no internet back then. It wasn't mm-hmm. you know it wasn't something like we're all just like on Facebook and Twitter all the time observing this stuff happening. But like yeah, so it didn't feel as like real or threatening as it might nowadays. But like yeah. it is. I feel like it is notable that like even back then people were like, oh, I didn't like this thing that happened in the movie, so I'm gonna like. Hurt mm-hmm. the person who played that character mm-hmm. in real life. Yeah. Um, yeah. One last little fact, and it go- also goes back to um, the uh, Phantom Menace. This was the first, or, or sorry, this is the th- in two thousand two. This movie became the third film to be released that was shot entirely with the digital camera. And Phantom Menace was actually shot on 35 millimeters. So was, that was the only 35 millimeter of the prequels. And <clears throat> the reason they, they did that is um, George Lucas originally wanted to um, shoot them all in 30 or in digital. In, in digital but yeah. Sony couldn't produce the cameras fast enough. Yeah, I, I um, heard so about this. He, yeah, he, he decided he was, to. He was pretty, like, from the get go, he was mm-hmm. pretty stoked about, like, using all the CG stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, he was like, I can yeah. make anything in a yeah. computer. And that's honestly one of the big reasons why he decided to do the prequel yeah. trilogy is because he finally felt like the technology had advanced to where he could tell the story that he wanted to tell. Yeah. Which kind of seems to be a reoccurring theme at this in this era of early 2000s Yeah, uh, just like cinema. go it's for like, broke yeah, CGI. Now I can do the, tell this kind of story. Right. Yeah. And it also led into it when he re-released the... Um, the special edition versions of the original trilogy. Totally. Where he was like, oh, finally I can yeah. have the vision I wanted to. And he, like, re-released them with, like... Started you tweaking know, things. Yeah, and... animals in the background and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah, that's all pretty interesting stuff. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I- I'll say right up front, um, I think Attack of the Clones is the worst Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, like, yeah. when I... Um, when I first saw The Force Awakens, Episode 7, when that was coming out, me and my buddy uh, did the um, the slasher cut. No, what do you call it? The machete. Uh-huh. The, the machete cut of the mm. movies. So, like, we, you know, we have Star Wars Day. We watched them all in one day. But we did the order where you do um, Episodes 4 and 5, and then you go back to 2, mm. 2 and 3, and then you go to 6. So the point is, like, you see Darth Vader's whole story. Yeah. But... We got done with two, and I was like, I don't know if I'm ever going to watch this movie again. Yeah. Like, it was, I thought it was so boring. Mm -hmm. It was like, it was just like they were talking the whole movie, and they kept going, they go going to different places, and I, talking to different people, and I didn't know why anything was happening, and really, like, when we just went with the plot, not in detail, but I feel like if we really dug into the detail of the movie, Mm -hmm. motivations... And why things are happening don't don't really make sense yeah. at all. And a lot of them are yeah. just left open, like <clears throat> who ordered the clone arm, or who um, put in the order for the clone army, and, and well, yeah. who I mean, who I think got it was, rid of. I think the, it was Palpatine controlling everything, but yeah, I mean, he, I think he's like a master plan. But he, the the name that they give of who put in the order, like that person was dead. Yeah. So like we don't know who that was and who and we don't know who like deleted the um planet from the archives. I guess you can just assume it's Palpatine. Yeah. They say like it had to have been a Jedi to delete that. And yeah. um actually in my research I 
I discovered that there there was an, a a whole plot line that was um, removed from the script um, hmm. that answered a lot of those questions. So that's, that's really, kind of why maybe yeah. a lot of those things don't don't add up. Hmm. Or but yeah, at the end of the day, like it kind of stacks up that there's a huge conspiracy mm-hmm. of these like two armies, the droid army and the clone army, mm-hmm. that are like fighting over society. But both armies and society are all controlled by the same guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, so why he's, he's, he's already, like, the president of the universe, uh-huh. and he's secretly controlling the droid army, uh-huh. and he secretly ordered the clone army. Yeah. It's all very muddled, and it's uh-huh. just like, ah, uh, it's just, you know, be, it's because we need to have a clone war. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because um, that's what Alec Guinness said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my, my take on this really is... Uh, The, the Anakin Padme stuff is such a, like, black hole of charisma. Mm-hmm. It is, it is like, the anti-Han and Leia in Empire. Mm-hmm. Where, like, in Empire, they're kind of not doing anything, but you are enjoying, like, seeing them hang out and fight and seeing the sparks fly. And this is, like, the opposite. Like, they don't... Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not doing anything. They don't have any, like, and... friction or uh, right. spark. Yeah, they're yeah, just yeah. together in the same place. Yeah. In the place Just talking pretty. about stuff. <laughs> and then yeah. just all that stuff, every yeah. time it cuts back to them, it's just such a drag. Mm-hmm. But I think all the Obi-Wan stuff is pretty great. Yeah, I was actually um, going to say, like, it's... The Obi-Wan stuff is kind of a, a detective... Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know, like, maybe influenced by a noir... Totally, that's what like, I was going to say. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, he goes to, like, the diner and talks to uh-huh. the guy in the yeah, know, totally. and, you know, he's, like, sneaking around uh-huh. these big corporations, like, kind of yeah. undercover, and, you know, there's, like, this mysterious guy with a jetpack that's trying yeah. to fight him, and, mm-hmm. like, all that stuff, to me, is, yeah. like... Is really fun, really engaging. Ewan McGregor's a blast to watch. Mm-hmm. He seems like he's having a blast doing mm-hmm. this movie, and then like, eventually when his like that all of that kind of like rolls back in with everyone else, and then it's like, all right, now, uh, just a big forty-five minute fight about nothing in particular. End of movie. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I think Ewan McGregor's the best. Maybe not the best, but he's one of the best parts about the prequels. Yeah, yeah. He's really good in all of them. That and. Um, John Williams. Yeah, right. John Williams is that, is that goes without saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, just uh, again to like touch on <laughs> the lives that have been ruined by Star Wars. I think Hayden Christensen is mm-hmm. another guy that like oh, he yeah, just really sure. got the short end of the stick, mm-hmm. and like he's still like referred to as like a pretty terrible actor. Mm-hmm. But honestly, he's like keeping up just fine with Natalie Portman who has salvaged her career and, like, mm-hmm. totally grown way beyond it and right. is recognized as a great actor. Mm-hmm. He yeah, never got sure. that second chance. Yeah. But he's he's great in a few other things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think this just, like, this just cut him off at the knees, yeah. like, professionally. I heard, did either of you see Life is a House? I've seen that. Isn't that, yeah, that the good. movie where he's really good in? He's good in that movie. I think he's in a Brian Singer movie. Hmm. Um um, after people, oh, is that I haven't, him? I haven't seen that. Haven't the seen the that. one that I saw where I was like, "Oh shit, this guy is super great." Uh, he's in a movie called Shattered Glass hmm. about a, a real life guy who was like faking news stories in mm. a, and like publishing them in a newspaper. And hmm. he's completely fascinating, and it's a really great performance. 
I think he just never gets a shot to yeah. do anything interesting in this whole movie. Mm-hmm. Like he's just yeah, right. standing around saying his emotions out loud. Yeah, and that's not really his fault. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I don't think any of these actors have uh, a whole lot of blame. And I love even in uh, the slash film interview with Ryan Johnson with the whole uh, I, I don't remember her name, but Rose um, uh-huh. stuff with, that was going on. He was he said you know. Why are you attacking her? I'm the one who wrote the character. I'm yeah. the one who, uh, you know, told her to to act the way she did. Come at me. Yeah, you know? right. Totally. It's like, yeah. And chemistry. I love that you compared it to Han and Leia because, I mean, they they naturally had it. And like you, I watched. I just watched a documentary about behind the scenes of the original trilogy and. They did a lot of hanging out. Like, the, the core group of actors in that movie, they would just hang out a lot and goof around. Like, apparently yeah. they drove George Lucas crazy because they would do pranks on each other and him all the time. Yeah. And, like, he would get really annoyed with them. But, like, they yeah. genuinely, like, spent a lot of time and liked each other. But they're also, like, on a real set, you know? I can't help but wonder, like, with all the CG, mm-hmm. being on green screens and having yeah. terrible dialogue and... Yeah. Maybe not being friends outside. Yeah. No yeah, chemistry. Like, like yeah. out on location in the desert or like in, I don't know, all yeah. the places they shot in, in yeah. um, studio. Yeah, that gets, that gets kind of uh, intense and you have yeah. to cut loose yeah. with, the, with your yeah, cast. So, <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I don't think we need to spend too much time on this movie, but yeah. um, I don't know. Where, do you, where are you guys at with your star ratings? Yeah, I, I gave it a two, one and a half. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably be around there, maybe two on the on the Star Wars scale. Yeah. Like, again, like the Obi Wan stuff salvages it a lot for me, but like yeah. that's, that's that's really like, like a third of the movie. Yeah, exactly. Maybe, it's know? like it's not a whole lot of the movie. I it's, like that you're saying this though. Like, uh, yeah. I know I just said that I'll never watch again, but since I've watched this movie, Attack of the Clones, yeah. I've gone really into film noirs. Yeah. Like, you know, in the last three years, I've watched mm-hmm. like fifty film noirs. Yeah, and. Um, so just hearing that, like, oh, he goes on a film noir type adventure. Just watch, like, the first yeah. 45 minutes. <laughs> and then maybe skip to the fight scenes just, uh, to, you know, yeah, see if yeah. Count Dugu, like, he's got that cool lightsaber with the yeah. handle that swirls, yeah, it's a hook you know. Or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we see Yoda use the lightsaber for uh, the first time in this. That was yep. a big moment. Yep. Yeah. Which, like, works, I, but. <laughs> yeah, I totally, like it, like, it was the best thing that ever happened to me when it came out. Yeah. And yeah. Now, I loved I, all now that. I'm way more, yeah. like, is that all the force is good for? Maybe yeah. you get at stabbing people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Like yeah. I like nowadays, like I'd be okay never seeing like I would have been okay as never seeing Yoda with a lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like we have historical like foresight. Yeah. And uh, if he had never touched a lightsaber, we'd all be begging for him to touch a lightsaber. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's true. So true. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's move on to episode mm-hmm. three, uh, Revenge of the Sith. This came out in two thousand five, I think. And, sure. Um so, just going to go over some plot points for it. Um, again, we're just going over the big plot points, not getting caught up in too much detail. But Anakin and Obi-Wan uh, rescue Palpatine, and then Anakin kills Count Dooku under Palpatine's orders. This was kind of muddy because like, Count Dooku was surprised because he was actually working for Palpatine. So, he's like, why do you want, why do you want to kill me, bro? But um, anyway, so then they go back to Coruscant, and Padme reveals that she's pregnant. Obi-Wan then tracks down General Grievous and fights him in an effort to end the Separatist movement. 
Anakin then begins to have dreams about Padme dying in childbirth and becomes desperate about it, especially what happened to his mom. Um, Palpatine reveals he is a Sith and encourages Anakin to join him because he says he could save her from from dying. Anakin goes and tells the Jedi Council that Palpatine's a Sith and they go and attempt to arrest him. Palpatine then fights the Jedi and Anakin joins him and they kill Mace Windu and the rest of the Jedi Council. Palpatine then enacts Order 66 and kills all the Jedi and then orders Anakin to attack the Jedi Temple, and which he does, and he kills all the younglings. Anakin then meets Padme on the planet of Mustafar, uh, but Obi-Wan had snuck aboard the ship. Anakin then believes that Padme had betrayed him, and he fo- force chokes her. Uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin have a showdown after that, and Obi-Wan defeats Anakin and leaves him... Uh, lying and crispy. Yeah, he's, he's all burnt up and stuff. Uh, Padme then dies in childbirth after delivering twins. Um, we were talking about this off air. It's uh, unclear whether she dies from, you know, um, the force choking or premature birth or of a broken heart or yeah. something mystical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not super clear, but it's maybe a mixture of those four things. Yeah, it's um, pretty pretty abrupt overall. Mm-hmm. She dies. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, Palpatine rescues Anakin and turns him into Darth Vader. Yeah. No. Yeah. He poses. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, so yeah, um, I mean, this was a financial success. This movie was a yeah. huge deal when it came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, Sean, you wrote it had a budget of 113 million and it grossed 848 million dollars mm-hmm. yeah. which is a huge gross and um gross 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 but um yeah uh it was really big at the time because yeah. it was supposed to be like the first real truly dark yeah um star wars movie. yeah and like it did a, it got um it was fairly well received even from critics it right i think it holds like a 80 percent rotten tomatoes or something and, yeah right uh, it, was, it was pretty generally well received people liked it mm-hmm. absolutely and uh like the know, darker was, tones and the more adult themes it was very pg-13 yeah it was the first pg-13 star yeah, wars movie right. and um i feel like the political stuff kind of pays off in this one mm-hmm. finally like you see a bunch of like, this is the one where, like, you finally... Like, again, I don't know why I'm thinking about this in these terms, but just, like, imagining watching these movies for the first time, like, in this order, mm-hmm. you finally, like, get what's going on with Palpatine. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's... Yeah, he's in, he's in the first one, but he's just, like, a congressman. Uh-huh. Right. And yeah. you see him around, but he's not particularly sinister. Yeah. And You know, I, he ends up gaining power, but he... You know, and you know something's going on with him. Yeah, and, uh, but it's finally, you know, you you see this whole like, oh, it was this, it's almost like a false flag thing where he's like, he goads the Jedi into trying to stop him from being like an evil wizard in uh-huh. control of everything, yeah. and then the Jedi trying to stop him is what like the leverage he needs to convince yeah. everyone that the Jedi. Which actually are bad. is based on a few that happened a few times in history. I think like with Napoleon and couple other people um throughout history that was that was based on 
some assassination attempts that kind of launched them into yeah. really taking over the countries as as the yeah. supreme leader. Yeah, yeah, totally. <clears throat> um, so it's it's kind of interesting in that way too. That it, it's a little bit the story of like his ascension too, and now you know now that the other movies have come out and we sort of see a little more of that story. It is, it's interesting looking back at his story and like, I wonder at what point did he become like super involved with this insane like death cult? Yeah. Because he's hypothetically from Naboo and again, like he, he's not a particularly interesting or powerful character when you first meet him. Mm -hmm. But even then he's already like involved with all this stuff. Well, yeah. And if we're going to like, you know, skip ahead we don't need to go too far ahead, but like bloodline is important in these movies. And like, so was he born with incredible force powers? And just one day he was like, well, I'm a Sith. I'm super evil because I got so much power. Like, right. Like, cause he's not, he's not a corrupted Jedi. He mm -hmm. was never a Jedi. Right. He was pure Sith. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's just interesting looking back on these stories now. Like, Uh, Oh no. Is there going to be a Palpatine, uh, Prequel movie, maybe probably oh, starring, so. yeah. starring Robert Pattinson <laughs> yeah. as Palpatine. Maybe <laughs> I just, I just sold <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so like we said, this movie was well uh, received when it first came out. People liked how dark it was. Yeah. Um, watching it now, what do you guys think, Sean? You just watched it. Yeah, um, I think I think a lot of the reason why the movie doesn't work is in part due to the fact that the previous movies didn't set up. Um, This movie heavily relies on certain elements set up to have already been set up, but the previous movies don't do a good job of setting those up. They don't do a good job of setting up the characters for their ultimate arcs. They don't do a good job of, of establishing like the, the political landscape and, and how that transitions. Um, or like really anyone's turn in this movie. That's um, what I was gonna say. Is like I, I remember like that that turn where Anakin desperately uh, don't kill the Jedi, don't kill Palpatine because he's gonna help me yeah. not kill my wife. Uh-huh. And uh, it, it happens just like that. Uh-huh. Like just he's yeah. he's like don't do that. I'm a good guy, but I want him to still be alive. Never mind, I'm killing Mace Windu, and uh, now I'm Darth Vader. You yeah. know, and it, and I'm gonna go kill those kids. Yeah, and it's like, wait, what? Yeah. yeah. And also, like, part of the difficulty with the prequels in general is I feel like they don't really have a main character. Mm-hmm. Like it's a little bit Anakin and a little bit Obi Wan, and kind of just filling in the blanks for the mm-hmm. original series. Yeah. Um. But I, I think the thing that Revenge of the Sith does well is the whole opening sequence uh, where they are, like, flying around in space. You see Anakin being, you know, the greatest fighter pilot of all time, which was, like, his reputation. Um, and you see him and Obi-Wan working together a little bit, but you never really get a sense of their, like, friendship or brotherhood mm-hmm. or their relationship, really. Yeah. You see them just sort of, like, trading jokes a little bit and, like, Talking about things that they've done. Right. Yeah. 
But and and like I like that whole sequence because that feels like sort of those old adventure serials where it's like ah oh, like skin of your teeth jumping in a spaceship mm-hmm. oh you gotta escape save yeah. the senator mm-hmm. the whole thing. But yeah, they really never set up mm-hmm. like Anakin's kind of a bummer and kind of a scumbag the whole time. Yeah. So while I I agree that his switch to like. Oh man, I hope my wife doesn't die in childbirth. To like, I will burn down the universe and kill this baby, for you know, at the drop of a hat. Mm-hmm. It simultaneously is too quick and also not that big of a shift. Like you don't feel the tragedy of it. Mm-hmm. It just feels yeah. kind of arbitrary. Right. Yeah. Instead of like, oh, this is a this is like, like if you imagine a character that we really like, like like Luke Skywalker, if in Return of the Jedi he is brought to a point where he's, like, willing to kill a kid to, you know, get what he wants, that would feel tragic mm-hmm. because we like him and we know him. And But Anakin is just like, yeah, he's kind of this it, crappy dude. Yeah, and, like, and you you definitely feel it through Leia and Han and, um, like, their perspective of that and the tragedy of that. Whereas yeah. this one, yeah, you don't get a good idea of the relationship of Obi-Wan and and. Anakin, same with Padme and Anakin, same with uh, even Palpatine and yeah. Anakin. They they allude to their kind of friendship, and he's yeah. always been good to me. Yeah. Um, and I've been following your career for a long time. Yeah. But you don't get a sense of like what he's done to to help Anakin and like be a mentor to him or anything like that. Yeah. Totally. Um, and then same with I guess Padme. They they do spend a lot of time in, in Attack of the Clones between those two characters, but you never get a sense of... Well, we just talked about the yeah, chemistry wasn't there, and yeah. he's talking about sand, and all of us are like, oh, God, and yeah. then it's still pretty, but like they don't have chemistry in Revenge of the Sith either. Yeah, like, no, definitely. When they first start talking, I remember that scene so clearly, because how bad it was, where they, like, their first scene in Revenge of the Sith, and yeah. they're talking about what love is. Oh, so that means... You, you die for love, and it's like, what? what who yeah. talks like this? <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. yeah, and uh, I, I, I get the sort of like grand Shakespearean melodramatic mm-hmm. vibes they're going for, uh, but yeah, it just it. I think it just doesn't have the gravitas that it needs to. Yeah, definitely. Like the, I think the only time where you really feel it. Because that's the other thing is, again, Obi-Wan, the best character in all of this, he's just off doing his own thing. And again, he's really fun to watch. He's really engaging. Yeah. But, like, he's just, like, out of town the whole time Anakin's having an existential crisis and murdering children. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back and he's like, ah, man, <laughs> my best friend murdered all these kids. I'll go talk to him. Yeah. And then, like, that turns into, like, their whole fight and conversation and, like, this, like, display of like fear and aggression and like attempted friendship and eventual hatred that stuff works for me pretty well and that's pretty compelling mm. because like I think Ewan McGregor sells it really well yeah mm-hmm. but even like everything leading up to and after that is just kind of like yeah whatever you know we gotta <laughs> get Darth Vader here so yeah. like just sort of getting getting to the Darth Vader yeah. part. I feel like the the bones of the prequel trilogy. I'm I'm kind of on board for. It. I th- I think if someone laid out a, an outline, maybe like 
20, 30 pages of, of kind of the how the prequel trilogy unfolds, I would be on board for it. It's, yeah. yeah, it's like, it's Shakespearean, it's it's uh, it's like operatic. And, yeah, and, it's um, a tragic it's story. It's tragic, yeah. and yeah, it's, it's, kind of, it's pretty interesting. But the way that it unfolds and, and um, it's, it's pretty messy and doesn't really work out emotionally, um, yeah. especially for the characters. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's a good point though. Um, someone should make a video about, I think someone did that with the matrix earlier this year about like making the matrix sequels good. Mm, yeah. uh, they should hmm. do that with making some, just lay out what could have been. Yeah. But anyway, so... Well, what, I'm confused by that because the Matrix sequels are good. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's a different podcast. Yeah. Totally. Um, okay, so, I mean, what what would be your star rating on this one, Sean? This one, I, I actually put that up back up to a two, even though I prefer Phantom Menace. I, you know, Phantom Menace is just a little bit above this one, but yeah, definitely yeah. better than... I'm kind of in the same ones. range. I'd say this is like... Two and a half, three stars for me. Like, it's like Attack of the Clones is like pretty painful to watch. Mm. This one's like pretty, pretty fun and engaging a lot of the time, even though it doesn't stick most of its emotional beats. You, you know, I'm still, I, I think the last time I watched it, I was like, I was pretty on board with it, even while I was like, yeah, that doesn't work. Yeah, that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> See, I feel the opposite a little bit. Like, I think back to it now, and I think about Obi-Wan, like, his big speech. You were supposed to be the chosen one. And, like, that that's good. one of the few things that kind of worked for him. Yeah, no, I like that. Like, yeah, I yeah. think back to that, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that was really cool. But I remember last time I watched it, like, on TV, there was, like, a... Last time I saw it, it was on, like, a TBS, like, marathon, and I watched, like, most of it. Yeah. And... I remember just being like, man, everyone's just talking in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're just talking so much. So poorly. <laughs> Such bad talking. Uh, like, Kelly so, walked in halfway through this movie, and she was just like, I can't even with this. I'm like, oh, yeah, the dialogue's bad in this one, too. <laughs> it's like, yeah, just at that point, I was kind of desensitized to it. But um, it's just... Can I, can I mention one, like, personal story about this movie? Yeah. This movie I always think about because uh, the day it came out, uh, I skipped school. Met up with some buddies. We watched Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones. I went and got confirmed at church, met the bishop, and then went to the midnight showing of Revenge <laughs> nice. of the Sith. And then we went back to my buddy's house and watched the original trilogy. Nice. And, uh, it's like I always have that weird memory of like, yeah. uh, that was like a weirdly momentous day. Yeah, this was, it's just a weird movie <laughs> yeah. to, like, to like center that uh-huh. memory yeah. around. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've yeah, I'm not gonna talk about my first time I've seen that movie, but yeah, I remember that. I remember that day very clearly. Like that was, you know, it's a good. I mean, the, we were in high school. Like that yeah, was like a big time. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we didn't know if there were going to be any Star Wars movies mm-hmm. again at that yeah. point. Like that was the. That was the capper. Like yeah, that, like that was the, the last Star Wars movie. Yeah, I mean, George Lucas said several times he yeah. was never going to do another Star Wars movie. Yeah. And he didn't. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he sold it for billions, billions of dollars. Of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> nice work if you can get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let's move on to the original trilogy. Uh, we're on episode four, A New Hope. Um, main plot points of The New Hope. Uh, Princess Leia's ship is captured by Darth Vader. Uh, Princess Leia stashes the s- stolen plans to the Death Star into R2-D2, who escapes to Tatooine with C-3PO. R2-D2 and C-3PO are purchased by Luke Skywalker's uncle. R2-D2 escapes to deliver the hidden plans to Obi-Wan Kenobi. And while Luke is out tracking R2-D2, stormtroopers kill his aunt and uncle. 
Luke and Obi-Wan then hire Han Solo and Chewbacca to bring them to the planet Alderaan. But on their way to get there, Alderaan is blown up by the Death Star. And so then when they get to that location, there's no planet. Um, just the Death Star sitting there and they get pulled in by the tractor beam. Uh, while inside the Death Star, Luke and Han go on a mission to rescue Princess Leia because they find out she's on the Death Star. And Obi-Wan sneaks around and um, turns off the tractor beam. And then Obi-Wan gets into a fight with Darth Vader and is killed. And the Millennium Falcon escapes the Death Star. And then uh, the Rebel Alliance, since they have the plans, they uh, launch an attack on the, uh, the Death Star and, and blow it up. So, yeah. Um, this was the first movie. Mm-hmm. Came out in 1977. Um, Groundbreaking film. Yeah, and in a lot of ways, it's kind of like an indie film. Mm-hmm. You know, like I mean, it, the budget was 11 million. Mm-hmm. Literally more than a hundred million dollars less than any of the prequels. Yeah, <laughs> right. But um, yeah, I mean, 11 million still is 11 million dollars. Yeah. But I mean, it grossed 775 mm-hmm. million dollars worldwide. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> Crazy, yeah. um, in seven, 1977 money. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, I think it opened to like 80 theaters its opening weekend, and then moved to like 180 theaters its second week. In like the way that they release movies back then, is, yeah. it's a lot slower and right. yeah, and like takes testing a while. The waters. Mm-hmm. And then they had like multiple re-releases like that year and then the following year, right. <clears throat> and so it slowly built up to that. Well, the that home video point. market wasn't. Yeah, as much of a thing at all back mm-hmm. then. So you kind of had to see it in yeah. theaters. And I think people were going over and over and over mm-hmm. and over and over. Yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, my I, like my my dad was like the perfect age for this, and he like remembers. He talks all the time about like going and seeing it, and he'd have to like maybe wait through a showing, you know, because it was like before multiplexes, all that. It was like if your neighborhood theater had it, then there'd just be a line around the block, and then you'd like wait for two hours and mm-hmm. get into a show. Yeah, right. No reserved seating back then. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but it, yeah, I think it, even back then it was such a, a like zeitgeist thing mm-hmm. where right. everyone was like, Ooh, I do want to check this out. This sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so just some fun facts about it. Um, George Lucas was basing this story on Joseph Campbell's, um, hero's journey. Um, and if you do some research on that, it really, it really does follow through on that pretty well. Um, Luke Skywalker's original name was Luke Starkiller. Honestly, uh, kind of a cooler name, but you know. <laughs> well, <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, Lucas wrote far too much um, in his script, and he had to cut out a lot of it for budgetary reasons. Um, Harrison Ford initially wasn't allowed to audition because Lucas only wanted actors he hadn't worked with before, and he uh, Harrison Ford was in American Graffiti. So he called up Han, uh, Han Solo, he called up Harrison Ford to come in and uh, just read lines for auditions, but he was so good at reading the lines, he just ended up casting him. Um, I've heard that he was like, he had, he was working as a carpenter during hmm. that time. Okay. Like he wasn't, he wasn't actively acting. Right. And hmm. so I think that was part of why George Lucas was like, all right, like, come on in, you know. You can read, yeah. whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then... Uh, yeah, Mark Hamill got the part because, um, I mean, there's a lot of really silly lines in this movie, and apparently he just read the script 
with such like genuine like earnest feeling behind it yeah. that it was like oh no he gets it even though he's like talking about womp rats and weird mm-hmm. weird yeah. space stuff yeah um I just he read so well about he read the silliness with such like seriousness that yeah. picked him up yeah so um, that's great mm-hmm. I mean so this is a classic this is a bona fide yeah. classic this is like uh, I think uh, at Reckless the local BDO store that we go to by uh, our work um they just had the yeah. perfect list. I think it was number one on the perfect list. Yeah, because like, yeah. hundreds of people in the neighborhood all voting on like what the best movies are, and like just out of a general population of people who still go to a movie store, everyone's like, "Yeah, Star Wars is great." Obviously, mm-hmm. yeah, New Hope, yeah. Yeah. yeah, number one, and yeah, and yeah. it is. I mean, I, I, that's where I'm at with it, at least. Like, and I, to me, at least, it's like. The Godfather, Godfather Part Two, like New Hope is perfect, and yeah. has so much memorable stuff in it. And it sets sets the page for everything. Yeah. Empire is a little more complicated and puts new ideas forward, and so it's kind of it does something a little different. But yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, New Hope to me is like basically a perfect yeah. movie. Yeah, totally. I yeah. think I legitimately think it is a nearly flawless script. It. The, the way that the story unfolds and, and the way that each step logically leads to the next thing that happens, which leads to the next thing. And it, it's just like this ever expanding and growing like world that, that is introduced to you. Um, yeah. And it's, it's just so brilliantly and cleverly and elegantly written. Um, yeah. It kind of comes together in yeah. an interesting way too yeah. because you don't really know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Like as a, as a viewer, you're just kind of thrown into this... I mean, the movie starts off, just there's this little ship and then there's a bigger ship yeah. chasing it. Which is and, a brilliant piece yeah. of filmmaking. And, like and, It shows you everything you need to know about the dynamic between the rebels and... Right. The, yeah. And, and the then Darth Vader comes out and you know he's a bad guy, but you don't know, you don't know what's happening. Then droids yeah. go to this desert planet... You don't know what's happening, you know, and uh-huh. and, but, and like that's it, it's still like again in like the continuity of these movies that like that's still true. Like we end, you know, the last movie was twenty years ago. You know, mm-hmm. like Anakin was still young, and now it's like the the babies born at the end of that movie are the people in this movie. Mm-hmm. Right. So like even in the continuity of the movie, it's just like it just skips you into like all right, this here's this whole world. new world like. Right. You have to figure out your place in it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think it's really brilliant that for the first, like, I don't know, half an hour of the movie, 20 minutes, half an hour, uh, we're following C-3PO and R2-D2. Yeah. Like, they're like the main characters yeah. at first. Yeah. And, like, they are, they're nobody. They're non-human. One mm-hmm. of them is non-verbal. And the other one doesn't want anything to do with, like, the cool stuff that's happening. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. And, like, that is, it's so... It's such a fascinating way yeah. to begin, where you're just like, all right, it's, so this is huge epic space battle with, like, an evil robot man who will, like, strangle you with magic. But, like, mm-hmm. our story is about these little, like, nothing people. Right, like, mm-hmm. C-3PO would have been happy just um, talking to moisturizing. I know that, that idea is actually kind of lifted from an idea that, uh, or... Um, uh, uh, a Hidden Fortress yeah. is a Kurosawa movie that, where like a lot of ideas from Star Wars are sort of like originated yeah. or he's borrowing from. Yeah, and like that that movie has these like is mostly about these 
two bumbling yeah characters. like these two yeah. dipshits who they're just are after in, gold <laughs> yeah they're just in the middle of yeah. this giant war and they're just like wandering around uh, and uh to do that as a way of like universe building is mm, really fun yeah, yeah for sure because then you you don't have to buy into like whatever darth vader's big evil plan is or like whatever princess leia's you know whole situation is mm-hmm. you see it you participate in it a little bit but then it immediately goes to like all right so these two garbage droids go down you meet this loser kid who wishes that he was part of this bigger thing i was gonna go down to the top station <laughs> <Some problems. laughs> yeah. and uh yeah it's just it's just great mm-hmm. yeah. I, f- I feel like in general part of the the brilliance of the movie is it's uh It feels like it is, it's not like a callback, but it's like referencing yeah. older stuff that feels familiar. But... I've made up a term for that. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if it works. Okay. Uh, I feel like it's an homage film. Totally. Uh, and it, I think like that goes along with like Drive and Brick even. Yes. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. Uh, and a, f- a bunch of other movies. But it's like, it's a callback to all these different things. But uh, Star Wars does it, New Hope does it a little differently. It's like, it's a callback to like mythology and like, but at the same time, samurai movies and westerns and, yeah. and Flash Gordon. Totally. And yeah. um, it's like, it's such a, a mixture of so many different interesting influences that yeah that he's paying homage to that it's like yeah something completely new and original yeah and And it's like a a love letter to those things but also it's yeah yeah, it is it is like it it's fascinating the way it like pulls all that in to be like so yeah you guys know all about these kind of movies so we're just gonna smush them all together and like and we're gonna make this one like really fun Mm -hmm. like it's yeah even it, though it is like very mythic and following the structure, it's like the characters are all hilarious. They're mm-hmm. like bickering the whole time, yep. you know, like yeah, and yeah. like yeah, you love the dialogue see, of them bickering is so yeah. fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, just Han is just giving Luke a hard time the whole mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, and what's that flashing mind? <laughs> Will you stop? And just like yeah. they have this like dynamic that uh-huh. just yeah. feels so yeah. real. They all three have such a great dynamic. Luke and Leia, like Luke's cute little crush, and then like yeah. when Han is kind of giving him shit for, for, you know, he says, "You think a girl like that and me could get the, you know, just kind of giving him giving yeah. him a hard time about totally. it." Totally. Well, I was I was talking to Cal about this like at work uh, after I rewatched him because I was like actually like really focusing on uh, that kind of love triangle for whatever reason this this viewing. Because it's like, it's interesting because like, it's there. There is like a love triangle, but it's not super, it's not super explicit. Like, it's Mm -hmm. not like a major part of the movie. Yeah, it's not Uh, a plot point. Right. It's just like a thing that is happening. Yeah, like Luke's got this crush on Leia, you know, he clearly Mm -hmm. does. I mean, he's like checking her out when he's in the Mm -hmm. Stormtrooper outfit, you know. And like, even when he first sees the hologram of her, he's like, who is he? She's beautiful. Right. But then uh, after after they escape the Death Star and Luke has his first big mission, you can tell he's already more confident than he was before. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not as whiny. Yeah. He's kind of carrying himself oh, yeah. over. And that's that scene that you just mentioned where he's, Han's kind of like, well, what do you think? Like, uh, you think a guy like me and a girl like her? And Luke's like, no. no I don't no, think so no. at all. <laughs> and that's like him kind of for the first time staying up to Han. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, and then they have like the whole end sequence and stuff. 
but I was um, I was telling Matthew that in that final that final scene where they get the medals and they all walk down, mm-hmm. Luke's got this like big goofy smile on his face and he's looking at Leia and they look at each other, but. I feel like already in that moment, Luke's over the crush. Like, he doesn't really care about it that much hmm. anymore. He's, like, he's just so happy to be getting the medal. And that's, like, that's where his focus is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then... He's, like, part of the bigger universe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then and then she looks at Han, and Han... I mean, maybe I'm just reading into it, but Han kind of gives her a look. Han's kind of like, you know, like... <laughs> like, you know, I'm kind of... You know, he's kind of like, I'm into you, actually. You know, like... You're beautiful. I'm cool. Like, <laughs> I'm kind of into yeah. it. She, she kind of no sells it. Like she's kind of like she kind of looks back at Luke and they move on. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, and though me and Kelly actually kind of had a, a bit of a disagreement about that. I when I was watching it this time, I really didn't read any of their butting head Han and Leia butting heads as sexual tension, and yeah. I wonder if that's like from people who read into that and maybe yeah. it's it's intentional like them butting heads and and um you know ribbing each other like you get that as sexual tension from this long history of filmmaking it's kind yeah. of a, a very typical romance movie mm-hmm. and book thing yeah. where they they start out kind of rubbing each other the wrong way but then start falling in love with each other right yeah but i i really didn't do the right way yeah exactly. <laughs> uh but i didn't i didn't actually get any of that this time watching it um i thought it was genuine they a genuine kind of annoyance with each other and dislike of each other yeah. um that, that grew into you know a friendship for sure yeah. um but yeah i, uh, I thought there was a lot more yeah. obviously there is more but i thought the the luke and and um leia thing was the dominant yeah. kind of love interest of the movie. I mean, I'm kind of, I'm kind of with you up to a point. Mm-hmm. I honestly think that Han wasn't thinking about her mm-hmm. as anything other than money mm-hmm. for, yeah. for most of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then I, I honestly think he got like challenged by Luke a little bit. Like when Luke like made that like statement, you know, kind of shut him down, stood up to him for the first time. I think he kind of like, he thought about Leia differently in that moment. Hmm. And I, I, I don't know. And then it, yeah, I'm just saying, then Empire starts out. I don't know, we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit here, but Empire starts out, and Luke and Leia, it's not even a thing anymore. Mm -hmm. And Han immediately... He's one kiss at the beginning. But that kiss, though, was more about Han and Leia than it was about Luke and Leia. And, like, like Han immediately starts playing the, like, hurt bad boy character, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, okay, bye, Leia. And he, like, storms (laughs) off. She's like, Han, you're leaving? You want to just say goodbye to me, you know? Like, you <laughs> yeah. weren't gonna, but you know you want to, you know? Like, uh-huh, you yeah. want me to stay, just say, you know? It's like, uh-huh. he's so into it at that point. And oh, like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And uh, I just, I don't know, I loved that, I loved that transition. Like, I like, I thought that it was done really well, and, and, man, the romance just builds in such a, like, a natural, natural way. Yeah. Um, the other thing I, I think that uh, New Hope does really an interesting thing with uh, sort of again with like the the wider world is uh, even though they end up participating in this wider world uh, you still get the sense you're only seeing a small part of it Mm -hmm. like the Death Star is a like existential threat to the galaxy but also they like are just barely finished testing it and it's you know 
it is now a through line with the prequels where they, there's like implications of like, oh, we're building this new thing, mm-hmm. oh, we're improving this weapon. And that ends up being like they return to that well a lot in like good and bad ways. Like sometimes it seems like when they're making a Star Wars, they're just like, oh no, a Death Star again. But also <laughs> mm-hmm. in some ways, the like technological development of the universe is something that you see throughout the course of the universe, or the course of the movies. Um, this sort of, like, idealized world of the prequels, and then, like, this messy, war-torn uh, situation in A New Hope, and then you sort of see things grow and progress from there. Yeah. But one one thing I, I was thinking about is that it's, it's interesting that uh, Darth Vader is simultaneously introduced in the movie as like this ultimate evil and also he's subservient to Grand Moff Tarkin mm-hmm. who is subservient to the Emperor who we never see mm-hmm. in the first one it's yeah. like like the implication is like there's just like this evil empire mm-hmm. is so huge and so unstoppable right yeah but like even even though like they successfully blow up the Death Star even in this movie it's like I mean you didn't even kill Darth Vader who wasn't even the big bad of the Death Star, mm-hmm. and the big bad of the Death Star wasn't even the Emperor. Yeah. Um, it, so it's like, not that I think it's like, you know, it's hard not to talk about things in terms of like franchises, because we're all like programmed that way now by Marvel to be mm-hmm. like, oh, it's all set up. It's Everything's always set up all the time. Uh-huh. But it is really admirable that they can tell this like grand epic story and also include all these implications that the world is so much bigger than what we are seeing already. Mm-hmm. Like this movie matters. And also there's more out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of more out there, um, I think we should move on to episode five, but what do you guys think about your star ratings for a new hope first? And five stars. Man. Five. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Cool. So empire strikes back main plot points. Uh, the rebel Alliance is hiding on Hoth and are attacked by Darth Vader and the Imperial forces. Um, People escape. Uh, Luke goes to Dagobah and trains with Yoda. Han, Leia, and Chewbacca are chased by Darth Vader. Um, It's like a whole long part of the movie where they're being chased. Uh, They they eventually go to Cloud City to hide with Lando Calrissian. Lando turns them over to Darth Vader, who then freezes Han and Carbonite and sets a trap for Luke. Luke uh, leaves Yoda and goes to Cloud City. He duels with Vader, who reveals that he is Luke's father. Luke's hand is cut off by Darth Vader, and he falls down um, a shaft. Yep. And then he's rescued by Princess Leia and the Millennium Falcon. Um, so, um... Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that one was a pretty quick synopsis of it because I actually found a lot of really fun little facts about this movie that, that uh, I'm going to share. So this one was a $23 million budget. So a, a bit, quite a bit more than, than, uh, a new hope. Uh, it also made it didn't make as much, uh, 538 million, uh, worldwide. So down by a little bit. <clears throat> yeah. Such a big yeah. Oh yeah. It was game. huge. Yeah. Um, uh, so after the this, the massive success of Episode Four, um, Lucas hoped to become an uh, to become independent from the Hollywood industry, uh, choosing to finance the sequel himself with thirty three million dollars 
uh, partly in loans and partly from uh, the earnings of the previous film. That's, um, I mean, so, that's yeah. a huge risk. Yeah, for even sure. For a, even for a done. big franchise, that's mm-hmm. a huge risk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in an early draft of the film, Lucas uh, added the plot twist that Vader was Luke's father. Um, he he then went around, uh, went back and re uh, re outlined the backstory of Anakin and Obi Wan, uh, which later became the basis for the prequels. So it actually wasn't until Empire he was writing Empire that he came up with the the Luke's father thing and and that birthed all that um, Anakin and. The, the whole history of that war. Also, um, wasn't that um, not in the script? Like, only a handful of people actually knew about yeah, the twist? Yeah, so that was... Um, no. Yeah, very few people knew about it. And uh, the... I forget the actor's name who played um, Darth Vader, not the voice, David but the... Gross. Yes. <laughs> uh, good pull. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, he was told to say something like, no... Obi-Wan killed your father, I believe is the line that he was saying. That's the okay. script he got. And only just before shooting Luke's close-up um, for that scene, he was told that um, that that's what the, the twist was. Is yes, basically was someone was like, uh, was hey, Mark, uh, actually, actually, Vader is Luke's father. Yeah. What? <laughs> no! It can't be true! So, yeah, that's the story of that. Uh, so yeah, and uh, with the new backstory, um, Lucas decided to change the um, uh, change the title of Empire Strikes Back from uh, the second film in the series to the fifth film in the series, designating it Episode Five. So that's when he started um, actually naming the movies and and uh, coming up with this being the, the middle um, trilogy of a three part trilogy. Okay, uh, Han Solo was also written out of the ending of Empire Strikes Back by freezing him in carbonite due to the fact that Harrison Ford uh, had only signed a two-picture deal on the project as opposed to Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher uh, signing a three-picture deal. So they were questioning whether they were going to get Harrison Ford back for the third one. Um, So they had had to kind of write him out. Yeah, I believe that that was the thing. It was the first one came out and he... Well, you know, I, I guess I'm not sure when they signed the, the two-picture deal versus the three-picture deal. Sure. So I don't know if that really played a role in, right. in that. But but Star Wars came out before Jones, though, right? It was yes. Yeah, so definitely. first Star Wars? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah so yeah, it was yeah. like yeah. A New Hope and then last and then Return, Raiders of the Lost Ark and mm-hmm. then Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, I believe yeah. so. What a time period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, not, not to bring, like, modern baggage into it, but, I, I you know, I've seen some complaints already about, like, the the Disney trilogy, like the, the strange, like back and forth of like one writer and director plans the first movie, a completely different one does the second movie, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, that there's, there is some like push and pull of like, Oh, who's, who's driving this car. So it's kind of funny to like, that's actually, that's kind of the way it's always been. Like the prequel trilogies yeah. were something that he stewed on and planned out mm-hmm. meticulously. Yeah, and actually like multiple people, dork. like, and it's interesting because a lot of the, especially this one, someone else wrote uh, the initial draft and George Lucas was kind of like, no, nah, I don't like that. Yeah. And then he took it back himself. And he's, I think the same thing happened with Return of the Jedi. Like there were multiple people writing different drafts and then he just like wasn't happy with it. So he, he took back yeah. control. 
But yeah, just um, just the idea that like like we think of Empire as like that's the one that where like things get blown wide open and like oh man, Luke Skywalker is really Darth Vader's kid. Mm-hmm. But really, like if that's an idea he had like halfway through writing this. Like oh man, wouldn't that be messed up? If, <laughs> yeah, and like you know, it's it's like set in stone now. It's something we all yeah. know. But like. He, that yeah, he was he was flying by the seat of his pants right, back then too. Right, right, you know, right. That it's and yeah. he was like just trying to find the most compelling story. It's, it's yeah, really interesting. Creative um, creativity strikes. Yeah. Um, now the fun ones. While shoot, while filming in Norway for the for the Hoth sequences, uh, they encountered the worst winter storm in fifty years. <laughs> Temperatures dropped bit, uh, to below. Uh, 20 degrees below zero, uh, and they got 18 feet of snow. Uh, On occasion, the crew was unable to exit their hotel, um, and they achieved the shot uh, involving Luke's exit from the Wampa Cave by opening the hotel's doors and filming Mark Hamill running out into the snow uh, while the crew remained warm inside. (laughs) So so you're saying that they actually did uh, cut open uh, tauntauns and and sleep inside the to stay warm yes okay. um, the film received mixed reviews uh, when it was released one New York Times critic saying it is a nice and inoffensive and in a way in a way that no one associated with it need, need be ashamed of it it is also silly <laughs> yeah I mean, all the Star Wars movies are kind of silly yeah, yeah. Like something that needs to be remembered that we are talking about a silly space movie uh-huh. yeah um I do think this one, more than any other ones, this is the one that is, like, to blame for people wanting Star Wars movies to have gravitas. Uh, Which, like, not that that's a bad thing. But, like, the first one is pretty silly all the way through. It is still, like, moving and, like, especially, like, Obi-Wan talking about the Force. Yeah. Is, Mm. like, that's, like, a, a solemn moment. But this is the one where it's, like, oh, like... These are like pretty pretty interesting characters who have real emotions mm-hmm. and like yeah that that we care about rather than just like it's really fun to see spaceships you know yeah. this is this has a yeah. lot of a lot going into it mm-hmm. um, but yeah still still a little silly still a little hammy sometimes right um, but yeah, yeah still a ton of fun um, yeah. I I like the the split up and the two adventures happening simultaneously. Obviously, yeah. uh, Yoda brings so much to the table with uh, with the mythology of the movies and. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I like oh, how man. the I like how the timeline isn't clear mm-hmm. with how long they're spending, yeah. like how long yeah. they've been chased, how long they're hanging out at Cloud City, mm-hmm. how long Luke's at Dagobah. Like it all kind of feels like a montage a little uh-huh. bit or something, but yeah. in a good way. Like like, it, like yeah, Empire could take place over a weekend or over six months. I have no idea. (laughs) But it it feels natural, though. Yeah. Other movies feel like montages in a bad way. This movie feels like, yeah, time passes. It doesn't really matter how long exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you're totally right. Um, I... Yoda is such an interesting character. Mm -hmm. And it's so... Like, I mean, talk about, like, subverting expectations, you know, but, like... This. Like Luke shows up expecting like a great Jedi master and then it's just this weird frog who is mm-hmm. like 
deliberately messing with him uh-huh. for it's a so super funny. long time. Right. Yeah. Even though, like, from the get-go, right. Yoda Mine. knows what's Mine. going on. Yeah. But he's it's just so like, good. And then, like, when he makes that turn of, like, no, he's not ready. Yeah. And then Luke realizes who he is. It's, that moment is just so brilliant. And, yeah. And, like, I, you know, I was so young when I saw it. I never got to really experience that. I've always, as far as I can remember, I've always known Yoda was the Jedi Master. But, right. like, yeah. that that's such a fun little twist that if you didn't, if you're not expecting it, I, I can imagine that would be... You know, yeah. he's just out at such a great he's just in Yoda's like little hut, hitting mm-hmm. his head on the ceiling, complaining. Mm-hmm. I just want to find Yoda. Where, uh, where's he at? And then, and then all of a sudden, Obi Wan's voice comes on. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, he, he's not patient, and it's like, whoa, yeah, <laughs> big twist there. Mm-hmm. But then that's not even the biggest twist in the movie. But mm-hmm. so, and and then in like movie uh, again, like whole continuity. Yoda's actually kind of, it's kind of a bummer to think about Yoda because he is so fun and interesting in this movie and then in almost all the rest he's like he does feel like a more stereotypical wise old man mm-hmm. right? like he's he's not fun in any yeah, of the other movies no. except The Last Jedi when he comes back and he's right. like kind of mischievous again mm-hmm. right. but but yeah just just that twist of like you know that that he's like a fun weird guy, uh, leads into. Like could have led into some some really interesting stuff that I actually feel like the series kind of leaves on the table, like when in Return of the Jedi, like when Luke becomes a full blown Jedi, he also kind of becomes a little more boring. Like he's a little more stoic and less mm-hmm. full of life. And I, I like in this movie that, like, part of the lesson is, like, no, you don't have to be, like, mm-hmm. serious and, like... Yeah, or play, and it plays with expectations. And, yeah, you know. and I feel like that's kind of a thread that gets dropped by the series as a whole of, mm. of like, no, like, you know, participating in this, like, interesting, magical mm-hmm. thing doesn't mean you have to be, like, a boring religious guy. You can still be a strange, fascinating Muppet and they just kind of leave that aside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I I think I feel like we could talk about Empire Strikes Back totally, all day, totally. so I think we should just uh, move on to the next movie real quick. How would you guys rate this one? Also five stars for me. But, yeah, I go uh, five stars for me too. I, I dropped it down a half star, four and a half. I just, I don't think that this movie like has the flow of the first one. Like everything in the first movie is just like perfectly grows out of out of what came before this is this one it's like it's kind of chunky in that like this or, or or something kind of out of nowhere pushes these characters to uh into the next scene and then um i also i i feel like i have to say the i wasn't a huge fan of the the han and leia stuff um, I don't know if it's a 2019 like they, thing. Their electric romance. Yeah, like, it, it's like the dragging, the dragging her around, which you know, the Force Awakens. I kind of agree. I, I don't. I don't agree that they're like. I think they have a lot of chemistry. I love how they get together. Mm-hmm. I love that like that moment where you know he's helping her. She's like, yeah. I don't need. To, I, I there love are, all that. There are scenes like that. I that will say really though that I noticed that Leia totally gets sidelined in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like. In the first movie, she's standing yeah. up to Vader. Like, oh, yeah. she calls him, like, a lapdog. Mm-hmm. You know, Vader. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And this movie, like, she doesn't even talk to Vader. 
and he's uh, there. Like yeah. Vader takes them all in and ca- captures them all, but they don't have a line with each other at all. Yeah. And it's kind of like, yeah, yeah. what happened sure. to what happened to our badass? Like, I, yeah. th- I still think she's a badass in this movie. Yeah, she's yelling at everyone else, especially but... when she like her and Chewie kind of escape, and and Chewie's like choking out Lando, yeah. and and then she kind of takes control of the story. But yeah. up until that point, she's just like kind of there being drugged around by Han and then and then they're like their chemistry thing is is kind of all she's there for and then even when Lando comes in then she's like Lando's just hitting on her um but yeah yeah <clears throat> so just yeah, those she, she those seems like kind of out of her element in this movie which mm-hmm. like in the first movie or in you know original A New Hope yeah she she makes any situation her element mm-hmm. she has right. like yeah, no problem taking sure. it yeah. and in this one yeah she's just like where are we going now mm-hmm. like who who's this guy yeah. oh, what are we doing yeah yeah. so I can um, see that but yeah okay so Return of the Jedi episode 6 uh, Luke, Leia, Chewbacca and Lando rescue Han from Jabba's palace um, Luke returns to visit Yoda Yoda dies, but first explains that Leia is his sister. Uh, the rebels then discuss their mission to destroy the new Death Star that is still under construction. Han and Leia are um, are set to lead a mission to Endor to destroy the shield generator for the Death Star, uh, while Lando plans to lead the attack to the Death Star after they disable the shield. Um, Luke confronts Vader and attempts to bring him to the light side. Vader brings him to the Emperor, who attempts to convert him to the dark side. After a duel with Vader, Luke declares he is part of the light side and he is a Jedi Knight. Uh, The Emperor then attacks Luke. Vader then saves Luke and throws the Emperor down a shaft. Um, (laughs) um, The Death Star is then destroyed by Lando. So, um, again, huge success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A little bit more money spent, $42.7 million, um, box office of $572 million worldwide. Um, okay, so going off of what we were just talking about with Leia, kind of like like not having a super compelling arc in Empire, um, I've been thinking a lot about this movie this week uh, because, like... What, what would you guys say the arc of any of the characters besides Luke is in this movie? I don't think there are. <laughs> there are yeah. I mean, Leia, Leia finds out that she's uh, Luke's brother, and she has a moment with that. Yeah. Um, but And then like Han has a moment of like insecurity, yeah. too. I, I don't think these are arcs. I, yeah. I, think they're, I think they're character moments. Yeah, totally. And I really, I really love that moment when... When like Han kind of gets mad about Luke because it's kind of like a callback to this like love triangle that doesn't really exist anymore. But I mean, it kind of goes, you know, if if we want to believe my theory earlier about how Han Han's whole thing for Leia was pr- projected because of Luke. Yeah. You know, he gets pretty like, oh, you could tell Luke over there though, huh? And he gets kind of like offended about yeah, it. And then, and then later on, yeah. Han's like, you love Luke, don't you? And she's like, yeah, I do. And he's like. All right, I'll well, just get well, out of your well, way. I'll you... just uh, I'll just go over there when he comes back. And she's like, no, dude, he's my brother. Yeah. <laughs> Which. Oh, <laughs> cool. <laughs> oh, yay. <Yeah. laughs> um, 
yeah i it's it's just something I, it's something I, i've been thinking a lot about in general is like like the star wars movies i think a lot of them are compelling to watch and nailing what they're trying to do and a lot of the time that's not necessarily telling a story mm-hmm. like or like an emotionally involving story like luke luke definitely has an arc in return of the jedi but a lot of the other characters are just like taking care of business and like mm-hmm. they still have conversations and moments and everything but like han and leia and lando are all like fundamentally the same people at the beginning of the movie and the end mm-hmm. but they've yeah. just like done the thing they wanted to do right um which yeah it's, it's just kind of a, a funny thing which I, I i this is probably the least compelling original trilogy movie to me mm-hmm. i think kind of for that reason i think it's kind of universally seen that way yeah um i think it's the funnest yeah. Of maybe all Star Wars movies. Yeah. I have just a blast watching this movie. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, I love the set pieces. Yeah. I, I love Jabba's Palace. Like, that. I mean, and like, it's one of those things where like, yeah, Luke, Luke's plan, not a great plan. Yeah. And it, let's explain it beat by beat. I know Sean, <laughs> Sean would love to sit here and talk about Luke's plan for 25 minutes. And oh, then it was like rescuing talk, it from Java. It's insane. Right. And how it just doesn't make any sense. But like, yeah. I, I love watching it though. Like totally. I love the way it comes, to, comes together. Like it's super yeah. fun to me. And like Ewoks, I don't care. Super fun. Like <laughs> yeah. they're, they're cute. They kick ass. Yeah. I don't care. They're fun. Yeah. And, like, also, like, the Stormtroopers' costumes in those scenes are really fun. Like, I don't know. I just, I just have a blast with this movie. Yeah. Um, I think it's one of the funnest Star Wars movies. But, yeah, it's not, like, compelling on the same level as the other ones. And it also has, like, logic problems that yeah. the other mm-hmm. ones have. And here, this is another thing that I want to bring up. Again, it's sort of the, like, wider context of knowing everything that happens in Star Wars now. Uh, in the same way we were talking about, like, making Vader Luke's father in Empire. Just like, oh, man, that'd be cool. Uh, I think they... He's basically just trying to do the same thing again. But it it does actually contradict, like, what we know about Leia. Like, mm. she she I think she talks about her parents on Alderaan. Yeah, she does. And, she and says like, she... she's adopted. That's legit. That's her mm. family. Right. But it is totally just, like, rewriting the history that was mm. already there to, like... Ah, uh, no, you were twins mm-hmm. separated at birth. Right. Yeah. And one of you kept your family name and one of you didn't for yeah. some reason. Right. And I guess it makes sense because, like, he was taken back to his family on Tatooine and raised yeah. by his own family who presumably they, have the they, name like, Skywalker. They make that then... work in the prequels. Mm-hmm. But looking at it now with, like, other family yeah, revelations that uh-huh. have come out in yeah. the future movies uh-huh. where it's like, that's actually not kind of the opposite of what was already established, but whatever. Uh-huh. And it, again, this is like something that like we know and love, and it, I think Luke and Leia are interesting and fun as as siblings mm. at the end of the day. But also, there's like a part of me that bumps on that now of like, it's why, like why are you making everyone related? Uh-huh. <laughs> like, yeah, you just it's one of those things. I forget. I I watched something recently, and I don't remember where I saw it. 
but it was them, them talking about anytime you make those connections between things or places or people, it just it narrows the the spectrum of the universe. Totally. It gets smaller. So Luke is is Leia's brother, and okay, now the universe just got a little bit smaller. And, totally. And you bring back the Millennium Falcon in this in in the Force Awakens. It's it just a little bit smaller, yeah. and it just keeps narrowing and narrowing. And yeah, you know, we can talk about the <clears throat> prequels and the sequels all day for uh, in that context. But yeah, I do think Leia. I think this is kind of where Leia's it starts the first step, definitely. Yeah. Of like, <clears throat> what if everything is connected? Uh-huh. It's like no, this was fun when it was like there was a giant universe to explore mm-hmm. and like this. Yeah. Like, this farmer got to go explore it but instead having, of having, everything being connected. Having said destiny. that, um, one of my favorite things about Star Wars is its is its influence from from mythology and um, cultures from all around the world and their mythologies. And like, to be honest, Zeus is fucking everyone's. I <laughs> yeah. said that sentence very poorly, but Zeus is everyone's dad. Yeah. In Greek mythology. Totally. Um, and everyone is related. If you have any impact on the world, uh, on the larger world, you are a god. And so in, in histo- or mythologies all around the world, that's a very common thing. And so I think that's what he was going for with this. Um, yeah. But then like in modern day, that kind of... Um, narrows the spectrum of the universe. Yeah. It, again, it's not something I, like, hate. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's one of those things that nowadays, like, looking back on it, it it's like, eh, that was a little ham-fisted, mm-hmm. but I'm still on board. Yeah. Um, uh, also, this brings back the Emperor again. Mm-hmm. Another, like, narrative through line mm-hmm. that we see him again. So good. Uh, yeah. Really great yeah. performance by uh-huh. Ian McDermott. Is that his name? I think so. It's the same guy. Yeah, right? same guy exactly. through all of them. Pretty crazy, like yeah. honestly, because he yeah. looks super old in Return Even of the Jedi. Even in the new one? Is that him? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, like in this one, in Return of the Jedi, what was that, 83? When yeah. does that come out? 84. 84. 84. He, looks, he looks like he's 140 years old. Right. Uh, and then 20 years later in The Phantom Menace, he looks 46. Uh-huh. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> and, then, <laughs> same. And, nah. then in, and then in the newest movie... Again, like twenty years later, he looks the same age he did in like Return of the mm-hmm. Jedi. Like obviously, yeah. there's extenuating circumstances, but like right. he doesn't seem like an old man. Hmm. Like he doesn't seem like the actor is an old man playing this character in the new one. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, Ian mm-hmm. McDermott's probably a vampire. Is yeah, my probably. Point. Um, yeah, or a real Seth. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> probably. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, I think if you didn't already gather, I I'm not a a, a huge fan of um, this movie, mainly because the, the it, there's a lot of messy writing throughout, um, especially, and it, it's it's structured very strangely to me in that it's it's a th- almost 40 minute um, opening Jabba's palace sequence, and then the movie just starts over. It's yeah. like it's a new movie now. Okay, yeah. we did we did that thing, and yeah, now nothing, it's just a completely nothing in Travis Palace is a setup yeah. for later. Yeah. It's all just it's yeah. it's all cold, cold open. Yeah, and um, so that structuring is is to me is like is pretty strange. Um, and then even the the indoor stuff, the the whole second half of the movie is all just one giant battle, as you kind of said. It's just it's not trying to tell a. a 
big arcing story. It's just the, this fun battle sequence, which I get. But I, I do think that all of that has its own problems, all the stuff on Endor. Um, it suffers from the thing of um, the only reason why these characters are are here doing this thing is because we as the audience care about these characters. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for for Han to be leading this team of potentially like the equivalent of Navy SEALs. Yeah. Um, there's no reason for a Leia who's a badass for sure, but she's a she's a diplomat and a politician and um, and a, a, I guess like gets turned into some kind of general. But but she's a leader. There's no reason for her to be on this planet. Same on with the front line yeah, chasing yeah, after stormtroopers yeah, on bikes. Like, there's yeah, no reason know. for C3PO or R2D2 to be there. Why would they be like? They, how do they even get around? Yeah. Um, uh, Lando, kind of, yeah. Lando being the general yeah. in flying the Millennium yeah. Falcon. Yeah. It's like yeah, we were just talking about this. We're like, Lando was like uh, a city he's a mayor. Yeah, he's <laughs> like a mayor. Like or he runs a city. He's like a city planner or something mm. over on this gambling city in the clouds. You yeah. know, yeah, and, and like neutral to a bad guy, not on board with being a rebel. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh well, actually, he's leading this mission. So, yeah. but even even weirder, it's like he goes from mayor. To, oh man, I feel bad about everything that went down with Han. To the next time we see him is like a few months later, he's been working as a palace guard at Jabba's. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And then when he gets back to the rebellion, they're like, ah, General Calrissian. Uh-huh. Like, right. Wait, what? Yeah. That's, a, that's some nepotism. In, right in, in fairness, though, I'm pretty sure getting the job at Jabba's palace is probably not the hardest thing. He might have just had that for like two weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He could have just, you know, there's probably a lot of turnover. Yeah. Uh, it know. seems like a, a lax hiring process. Yeah, I mean, Jabba kills a lot of his henchmen pretty, like, uh-huh. nonchalantly. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I hear you, Sean. You live, the, live fast, die a giant green hairy mm-hmm. pig falling into a pit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, like, in terms of, like, yeah, we, that is a movie thing. Like, we care about these people, so yeah. we want to see them on the front line. Who totally. cares about the other Navy SEALs? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. But I do think, like, we've seen enough of, of Han grow over the course of these few movies to know that he is a good leader and would be fit for, I mean, he's not like... I don't know. What, what, I, I don't know if we really see anything like that. In, I mean... We, d- we definitely don't experience it. We know that he was yeah. doing stuff on Hoth, yeah. um, potentially in not, not a high-up leadership position because he was, like, going out on patrol. So I don't, I don't really know what he was doing there. And then the whole, that whole movie, he's just running away from the Empire. Yeah. Um, and he's got some good skills, though. In those, yeah, yeah. In those I mean, he's a smuggler. So. Yeah. Um, so I guess there's that. But why is he, like, leading? And that, there's but, a lot of other problems. Like, like they... They, they get so sidetracked by this whole plot with the, the Ewoks. And I, I don't even mind the Ewoks at all. Like, they're the most... Unfortunately, they're the most heroic and selfless uh, characters in this whole movie. Yeah. Um, everyone else just seems to be... Uh, to, to be ignoring the, the import, what's important. Yeah. And, like, Leia goes off with the Ewoks and is, like, getting her hair braided while they're supposed to be blowing up this shield generator. And, yeah. and um, they, they spend all this time with the Ewoks, like, telling stories. And, like, but I, and then, like, in the end, it all works out but because the Ewoks come and help them. But 
it's just like the the main plot of this movie gets totally sidetracked for a large period of time and then when the the actual forces come to blow up the death star they're like dying left and right meanwhile you're like well, what the hell were they doing braid getting yeah. their hair braided and telling stories they should have been like working on and then they go down there with no i could go on for a while yeah they go down there with no plan whatsoever on how to blow this thing but yeah um i don't know there's a there's a lot of problems and then yeah. i also didn't really buy into the whole why luke thinks he can turn vader there, there's a lot of stuff that that didn't work for me in this movie um but yeah good <laughs> yeah I, I do think some of this is addressed in the later movies in funny ways like like i do think that like like luke is kind of presented in this movie as this like stone cold badass a little bit mm-hmm. now like he wears all black he he, he, has he, he just he now. just knows stuff you mm-hmm. know he's super confident yeah and like on the one hand i i think that works for him and i think that's genuine and fun and interesting for him but also i kind of like that the later movies question that that like he mm. he he is i was hubris it's a little say, yeah hubristic or like yeah just he's like i'm i'm gonna do this like i'm gonna do this i'm gonna nail it there's no way i could screw this up mm-hmm. and like we see in later movies like that approach uh doesn't always work because then if you do screw up it shatters your self-identity mm-hmm. <laughs> uh and yeah. uh yeah right star yeah. wars star wars is full of these like plans that could never like could never really work yeah. out but One then they, shot. Yeah, but then they work out yeah and uh I mean, The Last Jedi was, like, the first one where the plans don't work out. Yeah. It's like, it's a one in a million shot, and mm. you didn't hit the one. Like, right. And yeah. no one does, and then everyone dies. Yeah. And <laughs> no one's happy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do, I, yeah, I, I, I like, I, I really like the sort of, the Luke plot line of, like, once he turns himself over to Vader and, like, that whole idea and everything with the emperor like the emperor that is such a great is, is manifestation great. of evil um mm. which i think in some ways the prequels take away from his just like pure like he's a pretty mm. great just movie evil guy mm-hmm. who like he is so committed to like the idea of hatred mm-hmm. that he's like absolutely i would love it if you like got so full of hatred that you murdered me right. because uh-huh. then you would be even more powerful and even there would be uh-huh. more hate in the world like right. that's yeah. it's kind of insane but also it's just like that's that that works in this universe that mm-hmm. there's there's just a guy who like worships the idea of hatred yeah. Mm-hmm. and uh yeah i don't know he's mm-hmm. he's a great villain yeah i almost like wish i hadn't seen the transformation of yeah. him yeah. like from like just a regular senator or whatever to pure evil yeah because mm-hmm. I remember him as the senator yeah <laughs> it would have been he, he was just fine yeah just yeah it's weird to imagine him like yeah he probably had to do like a lot of like uh, internships to get his position right. in Congress to like mm-hmm. adjust some tax laws on Coruscant. Right, like yeah. who's who's his father that helped him get that job? You know? <laughs> yeah, and now he's just like uh, yes, like. I hope the, these two people just murder the, each other in front of them, in front of me, and right. control the galaxy with hatred. And yeah, it's 
like many Star Wars things, it's like kind of over the top and hammy and melodramatic. Right. And I like, I love it. I'm eating it yeah. up. Mm-hmm. Well, um, should we um, move on? Talk about yeah. our star ratings? Okay, so, yeah. so Cal, where are you at with this one? I don't know. I'd say like three or four stars out of five, I think. It's okay. like I still have a blast. It has so many iconic moments. But uh, yeah, I think... I think sort of the emotional connective tissue in large part is not there for me. So, like, I'd watch this literally the other night when I was sick. I watched, like, a really upsetting movie, and I, like, was talking with Nick about it. And he was like, why did you watch that upsetting movie? Watch something fun, like Return of the Jedi. I was like, okay. And I watched Return of the Jedi that night because it's super fun. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I gave it a two and a half. Um, I think, yeah, ultimately it just didn't didn't pay off for me um didn't work yeah i give it four and a half <laughs> yeah. i don't even care <laughs> i just love this movie like it's just one of those movies where i'm just like yes just 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 put me in this world yeah you know so um, there's there's also speaking of putting you in the world there are a lot of fun world building moments like in the in the way we were talking about before of like the implication of a wider world like when uh, Mon Mothma the the general of the rebels says mm. like very seriously like many Bothans died mm-hmm. bring us this information yeah. like we don't know what Bothans are or Bothan? how they died <laughs> uh-huh. but like it just like it spins out this whole other world of yeah. like oh man like yeah there's a lot riding yeah. on this even uh, though I have no context for what was just said uh-huh. <laughs> right, yeah right. for sure yeah 